Welcome to Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about the workforce future for young adults. Yeah, kind of a more hands-on example of our, when we talked about the differences, the generational differences in the workforce. Right. Generational uh, diversity in the workforce, but also how young people are viewing the workforce, mm -hmm. what kind of jobs might, how might uh, the work world change in the future what you want most out of that workforce world and uh, yeah all things exploring working for young people into their old age john what will you be doing when you're my age when i'm 50, can you imagine being my age i really can't actually that's kind of a, a problem i, I, I couldn't either gymnastic. <laughs> yeah, when i'm now, your age i will have learned how to skateboard and i'll be doing kickflips and all kinds of cool stuff. What like is that, that about? I'll, I'll what, are you, reverse, what are you saying? I'm, I'll reverse. What are you age. saying? I'm not cool or hip. When I'm, I'm just saying I. You're going to age more cool than I did. I, well, I started off less cool than you did. You know what I'm saying? That's so true. Like I started off old man. That's true. Books, you did. You were born old. And I'll be lifting weights and doing kickflips when I'm fifty. Seven. Seven. Yeah. <laughs> Fifty-seven. Yeah. Thanks, John. My son knows how old I am. Oh, Do you, you happen to know my birthday? Do you know what day I was born? I plead the fifth. Wow. Listener, that is listener, so sad. He very often goes, how old are you again? Well, that's so, true, but I know your birthday. Well, I don't, I don't know what I, year it was, but I know, the, yeah. I know the month and day. Anyway, I want to, before we get going here, I want to clarify that in the last episode, I said authoritatively that that was episode 38, <laughs> and it turns out I was wrong. Yeah, you were. You were As I was, I, was, I was listening to the episode, I looked down and it said episode 37, so uh, apologies this is one of the things I'm trying to learn in my old life mm -hmm. is to stop being so confident about something that I haven't actually, I don't know. Sometimes I think I know something and I know it. Hmm. Turns out I don't know it. You know, this, uh, somebody said to me once, uh, you know how it feels when you're wrong? How do you feel when you're wrong? And you said, I wouldn't no, know. <laughs> no, no, this is legit. John, how do you feel when you're wrong? I don't know. Not good. Embarrassed. A little bit embarrassed. Uh, you know, uh, surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it turns out that's how you feel when you find out you were wrong. Right. When you're, when wrong. you're wrong, you're confident, <laughs> fat, dumb, and happy. And that's the way I was on episode 38, but it was actually yeah. episode 37. So welcome to 38. Yeah. Welcome to 38. Now you've, you've listened to the to 38 twice. Yes. And I apologize for that. <laughs> so I'm back in the groove. Now we have a guest today joining us because we're going to talk about millennials in the workforce. So we have not just John, mm -hmm. but another living, breathing millennial in the studio with us yeah this is uh alex you say hi hi <laughs> <laughs> alex cloninger alex is a 21 year old young man uh part of a family business just mm -hmm. finished your bachelor's degree that's right at 21 yeah wow it was a six-year-long bachelor's degree because i was working full-time but uh <laughs> well six that years that means you started on it when you were 15 that's right actually i think 14 you started working on your bachelor's at 14 yeah that's right how does that happen? Uh, online college, dual enrollment, and uh, loving family. Wow. Yes, wow. So your bachelor's degree is in what? Uh, government pre-law. Government pre-law. Mm -hmm. And is that what you want to do as a career path, law? or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going to run for office? You're going to be president one day? 
Um, you know, president, I don't really like so much. Supreme Court justice, I think it would be a mm. lot cooler position. Yeah, you got to set that bar lower. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's funny because it is and it isn't. They're kind of mm. on the same level. They're in different branches, but that's, right, a, that's right. a whole other podcast. Sure. It right. is because, man, that's so that's uh, that's tall cotton. You're wanting to engage in the public world. And I know your deep faith and your uh, love for all things God. And so that's quite a challenge to take that but that is another podcast so before we get going it is always joke and or story time and Mm -hmm. we've invited alex to tell the story today so alex what do you got for us a joke or a story i have a story okay let's hear it so uh it's kind of a it's it's like a split story between me and my dad so um my father i love him so uh but he is (laughs) not uh, the most technologically savvy person you will meet in Mm -hmm. your life Mm. um and he had not been able to send a text message for a long time until the advent of what he likes to refer to as speak and spell. <laughs> <laughs> now, speak and spell was a toy when you were a kid, right? Yes. And that little, I remember it's red. It's a little red box and you would speak into it and it would show you your words so you could mm-hmm. learn how to spell. Mm-hmm. Huh. You um, never, had a, speak I and never spell had a speak and spell because you were born old. You were born reading. <laughs> not really. <laughs> Soon not after. Really. You're yeah. smart, but you weren't that smart. No. So, what I mean by speak and spell is the option on your phone. Yeah, to, to voice text. Exactly, voice text. So um, he, when he discovered he could do that, kind of fell in love and began texting <laughs> all the time. And it was like, <laughs> you learn a Dad whole... Dad has a new toy. That's right. Yeah. You yeah. learn a whole new side of someone when they can text. It, you'd be amazed. <laughs> but um, so anyways, he, when he was relatively young to this technology, we had, um, well, he had a... A guy that was working for him that, um, believe it or not, this is this is true. His name was Abraham Moses. Abraham Whoa. Moses. And he was not a Christian. Wow. Yeah. Abraham Moses. Yeah. So he went by Abe, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he um, was a Hawaiian guy. And uh, in the Hawaiian culture, smoked meat is kind of a big deal. You smoke like, especially like pork. Um, so they used to bury those in the ground, right? Those the luau. You got the pig in the in the beach. They dig a hole, put a bunch of coals in there, right? Cover up the pig. I, I didn't know they smoked things because that doesn't mm-hmm. really smoke one in the ground like mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it it's. I'm not going to pretend like I totally understand <clears throat> okay. Hawaiian. So anyway, methods, he liked to smoke meats. Yes, Abe Abe Moses mm-hmm. liked to smoke meats. Right. So um, he offered some to my dad. And it was like the most delicious smoked mm. uh, meat he had ever had in his life, right? So this employee, let's call him, was um, going to be coming over to my dad's house. And he thought he would send him a text and say, you Bring know, some meat. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what he, what he said was, hey, Abe, when you come, bring smoked meat. Yeah. Mm. But what it said what was. What the phone said was. Hey, babe, bring your smoking meat. <laughs> and Abe calls it, hey, I'm sick. I pulled a hammy. I can't come. Yeah. That's hilarious. Uh, but no, uh, thankfully, I was there to catch that air. Before he sent it. Before he sent it. Good. But uh, that has been a running joke for years. Yeah. Hey, babe, That's bring hilarious. your smoked meat. Exactly. Anytime, anytime somebody uh, has smoked meat. Uh, we always kind of side eye each other and say "Hey, babe" or something <laughs> yeah. like that. But, That's awesome. Yeah. Now, why did you say that had anything to do with me? Oh, I just thought you would find it hilarious. Oh, okay. The kind of the miscommunication Cause, thing. Yeah, because I can actually text with my fingers. Right. Oh, I know that. 
Okay. I, I, I've seen the miracle happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually fast. Yeah, you yeah. are. Yeah. I've noticed you have a tendency to voice to text, and so does uh, my wife. And then I realized maybe I just, because I don't like speaking as much as other yeah. people, that I don't like to use that functionality regardless. I like it, but it has gotten me in trouble with those kind of mm-hmm. mistypes. Right. Sure. Uh, bad. But so even, you better edit it before you hit send. Well, like researching even. So like uh, if we want to know what movie this actor was in, Lindsay will just pull up Siri and say, hey. Oh, I do that all the time. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I just pull up the Google app and type it oh, in. Oh, and then the speak into Siri actually beats you every time, right? Unless she says, you know, <laughs> some actor who died 30 years ago is right. not who you were even talking about, or it's some... You know, MLB right. Hall of Famer, or, you know. So, speaking of movies, I know we're dragging this out. We'll get to our topic here in just a minute. Sue and I, one time, were laying in bed having a conversation, and um, she said something about, somehow, uh, Tom Cruise came up. Mm. And I said, oh, I loved him. I love all his movies, big, and I uh, start naming these Tom Hanks movies. Right. And uh, she goes, no, that's Tom Hanks. I said, no, that's Tom. That's Tom Cruise. Tom Hanks was in... Um, Top Gun, Top Gun, Top Gun. And, <laughs> and and we are like we are now we're we're like flagging the ground. I'm right. right, no, I'm right. So I said I'll call Dougal. Dougal knows this. So I called Dougal. It's like <laughs> it's like twelve thirty, one o'clock in the morning, and I called Dougal. He's hello. I said hey, who was in Top Gun? And he said Tom Cruise. I said shut up. And I hung up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> So back to the whole theme of sometimes I'm really confident that I know something yeah. and I'm dead wrong. I'm just surprised Dougal's your first call for for marital problem solving. Yeah, at, that's at true. Twelve thirty. Well, <laughs> you know, we were young. I was maybe oh. twenty three or four at the time. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. So let's get talking about uh, careers. Um, so we have a graduate of a bachelor's degree in in. Government. Pre-law. Government and pre-law. Mm-hmm. And we have a, gra- a bachelor's degree in communications with an mm-hmm. emphasis in journalism. Yeah, media studies technically, but uh, a single message mass audience kind of uh, message planning. Single message mass audience. Yeah, just that. Just, it was basically. That, so what, what, what is that? It's it's journalism. It's it's uh, rhetoric. It was kind of. Uh, what would the flip course. of that be? Uh, multiple messages, small audience? <laughs> Maybe. That's I don't know what, That's voice texting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that would be, but uh, it was the closest thing they had to a journalism degree, and I kind right. of, I kind of made it into a journalism degree with the courses I took and with extracurriculars. It's an interesting idea. I've never thought of the idea of single message mass audience. That's a that's an interesting thought. Okay, yeah. you capture me with these Sorry, yeah. things you do. Every <laughs> well, once no, while. it's I, I should just say. It's a journalism degree. That's yeah. the simplest. Simpler so than, I'm going to interview you guys uh, because I'm fascinated at how you perceive the workforce going forward and what you most want in your life as it comes to your work life. Hmm. And then what I thought we might do is at the end of this interview, I will give my feedback to what I hear you saying and the advice I would give you uh, sitting in the 57-year-old guy chair. Sure. Cool. How's that sound? Sounds great. Sounds good. All right. So um, question number one, how optimistic, Alex, we'll start with you. How optimistic are you about the workforce into your lifetime future? I'd say pretty optimistic. I think that, um, I don't know, it's kind of, I feel like as the world has shifted over the last probably, I'd say, 20 years, I think that a lot has changed culturally, economically. Um, and a lot of that has carried over into the workforce. Mm-hmm. I think that there are certain job markets that didn't exist 20 years ago that are now like oversaturated. Right, right. And I think that there's kind of a, um, 
I would say reprisal of, I would say like the old guard of jobs, I guess, Mm -hmm. because like there's, I mean, with the whole kind of big tech boom of the last 10, 15 years or so, um, there's been, that's been in the spotlight, right? And I think that time period in the spotlight has led to a lot of people, um, young people pursuing degrees or jobs or opportunities in that area. And I think it's kind of a, a bubble that it's can left burst. a backfill for these other kind of careers right. that are not tech driven. Right. So you feel optimistic that your degree is going to be in play. You've got a you've got a pathway that's going to be lots of opportunity, good compensation. You feel great about your prospects. Yeah. For a long time. Mm-hmm. John, how do you feel? Uh, one of the consequences of my degree being overbroad and the way I described it is that it actually has a lot of applications. So. Uh, journalism uh, and news writing in particular, when I got to Northwest, so when I was a sophomore, I think, it was it had just uh, usurped logging as the least uh, profitable career in America. <laughs> the, the least logging? recommended. Logging, yeah. Wow. Uh, huh. And it had just surpassed that. And uh, when I met my father-in-law, because, my because, future father-in-law yeah. for the first time, yeah. he said, well, why not, why not be a logger? <laughs> <laughs> When I told him because that. he knew that well, I, I told him that. Oh, okay. Uh, he's I don't like, know well, why. choose logging. Yeah. Well, obviously I was sweating bullets and he was like, what do you, what are you studying? And I was like, journalism, it's going to be like the worst thing. <laughs> you know, I, was just, I was, had my foot in my mouth. Yeah. Um, so sorry. Go so, no. Yeah. Uh, anyway, just that, uh, the skills are, are going to be timeless regardless of the medium. Right. So same, right. same thing. Um, you know, the guy who, uh, I don't know what other media, the, the radio broadcaster now is a broadcaster. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's the, the skills survive. They translate and, yeah. and the need to communicate effectively will always be there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, news is, you know, and, and the media is kind of in the hot seat for the past. So I was all that to say years. you are optimistic about your future. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you have to be kind of, uh, um, you have to have plasticity in these kinds of things. You have to you have to be flexible, right? Uh, and I think that's why a lot of uh, you know that's why the cable industry is holding white knuckling uh, cable, right? Because, because that's where all their money comes from. When yeah. really, if they just let go and embraced streaming, streaming like other companies right. have, yeah. they would thrive. Into the okay, so let me ask you this: so, um, uh, in the Greatest Generation, those guys from World War II, mm-hmm. it was very common for them to work for one company for forty years, retire, get the gold watch. And have a pension, right? That's not going to be your world. You don't. You don't even desire that, do you? Um, I don't know. I'm. I feel like I'm kind of a traditionalist. So that in that sense, so that would be appealing to you. Uh, parts of it, I would say. Uh, I don't think working for the same company for that long period of time mm-hmm. necessarily, but I do mm-hmm. think that being able to build to a point where you have like a comfortable retirement like that, and you get kind of a a. a uh, uh, a carrot on the stick, I would, I guess. Okay, so that that's kind of where my question was going. Is do you have sure. confidence that organizations, corporations, can last in a healthy, flourishing way that long, or do they have a life cycle now? And do you trust that there will actually be a retirement for you? There's a lot of pessimism economically about well, Social Security is not going to be around for me. Um, how you know? Yeah. So that's kind of I'm fishing well, for that as well. Yeah. So uh, a career in uh, government traditionally might be more more traditional in that sense uh like with you the know, government's never going away right right right, right. or yeah. if it does we're gonna have bigger problems on our hands right. than, you know yeah. what, how we're gonna retire i'm so, a government free agent now right. <laughs> exactly <laughs> um so th- that's a, maybe a separate thing but not if you were i don't know maybe uh if you're trying to get into office it's sl- it's different than because it's not a traditional mm-hmm. you're not clocking in clocking out right right, right. um but uh and 
interesting because you talk about the faith in corporations Mm -hmm. and that has been in generational studies. We talked about this on that other one where um, Gen Z, which is actually technically what we both are. We're not even millennials. Oh, Uh, I'm on the cusp of that. And I think and and by a lot of measures, I'm a a Gen Z. Well, let's just call you guys Gen Z from now on. Get this right. It's not episode 37. It's episode 38. And you are Gen Z. We don't we don't play hacky sack with the truth anymore. No more. No, (laughs) we are. We're getting it right. So. Your Gen Zs, and and my understanding is there's a lot of pessimism in yeah. Gen Z. And well, the interesting thing is we're we would be um, cutting edge Gen Z. We're we're on the tip of the spear. So mm-hmm. there's no there's no real way for us to look at people older than us in the generation because they don't exist. Mm-hmm. So we can look at millennials, which there are a lot of crossover. There's, there's like a, um, I forget what the term is, but in like a Venn diagram, that that middle yeah, circle between sure. the two is is huge. So, mm-hmm. um, but no, I don't have a lot of uh, faith in in. Uh, I think what it is is the the systems of the past of the past you know of of the modern time. So let's say like post World War II to mm-hmm. 1990 uh, are all almost all with few exceptions uh, either really changed or just completely gone. So it's hard to it's hard to look that far to the future anyways because these systems are changing. You know, like uh, I forget the number it was huge of of millennials that are now um, the fun term is. Uh, uh, What's the digital nomads? Mm-hmm. They they work from their laptop in home, right. or they go to coffee oh, shops. Right, they're, always, right, yeah. they're looking for places to office up because no one has an office anymore, and that's why these um, public workspaces, you know, where it'll just be a rent an office for rent, sure, and everyone sure. who is a freelancer goes there and rents a spot for the day and does yeah. the work there. So let's so it's yeah, it's, keep going. The whole game's changed, and it's really hard to imagine. Uh, that career where you clock in at a company for 40 years doing that doing that and you yeah. retire so if i may just to yeah add go for it, kind please. of my perspective on what you were saying about um optimism pessimism in uh your field of journalism sure. i think that that media spotlight you referenced for the last like five years or so actually mm-hmm. is kind of um making a sort of split within the journalism media community whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. Um, that is actually creating a market within itself because you guys touched on this last episode um, but of how much you guys wish there was a like objective media source without any sort of spin and I think that there are I would say thousands and thousands and thousands of people who would agree with you of like I don't want somebody who's going to agree with me to tell me the news or I don't want somebody who thinks opposite of me to tell me the news. I just want to know what the facts are about it. Right. So right. I think that there's kind of a like sub market within that field that is sure. growing and like has been untapped. Honestly. Well, and so this is the innovation of your generation. Right. And, you know, the idea that you niche, 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 and then niche one more time. So you, you can create a whole industry out of one niche, highly engaged audience. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, politically thinking governmental thinking that could be used in think tanks that could be used in education that could be used in all kinds of arenas so you you could end up in non-traditional today's thinking non-traditional vocations that we haven't even heard of or thought about yet right right and then that is is to say another thing of, of automation uh which for a lot of careers and like you brought up that uh uh we now have a saturation of degrees and highly educated uh generation which is traditionally a really good thing um, but it means there's a, a big and profitable market for for trades. Uh, but even news writing, there have been algorithms that uh, you you put in data and facts, and they write a news article, hmm. and it reads great. Wow. Oh, really? Because it's a it's a really stilted form. Of it's completely unbiased. Language. Well, and that's that's one problem is that the it cannot be completely unbiased because language itself is. So say yeah. 
you get to you're writing a sentence and you get to the word um you know you're talking uh pro-life or pro-choice uh uh pro-choice or sounds more positive right or and, whatever and, and, yeah. and pro-life and there are different ways to word these things and <clears throat> yeah. so every single word on, word selection on, makes on everything gradient. yeah exactly yeah well and that's fascinating for like from my perspective with mm-hmm. the legal terms because that's such a huge part of that is like what terms totally. you use to kind of portray your point even the term allegedly right makes right. it seem like it's you're defensive yeah, yeah. what well, makes it seem like well supposedly this guy said whatever exactly whereas it's actually a legal term that says like this is what is being supposed not supposedly yeah. like there's no right. actual tone to that right but in argumentation you know verbally especially there's a tone yeah right. oh for sure and it's it's great that in like in like a legal document right they'll have like a, a key at the beginning like this is what these words mean yeah. like when i say seller this is what i'm talking about when i say right buyer. And in the public, you don't have that. Mm-hmm. So when I say the word allegedly in an article, that could be taken anyway because no one there is agreeing on the on the use uh, of that word. The, yeah, uh, something lingua franca or whatever. Yeah. So I don't want to get too far off into the weeds here, but I sure. feel like there's a really good example of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what the decision was, but uh, a year or two ago, there was um, a Supreme Court decision that was what, what they call a narrow ruling. And that term means that they, the Supreme Court decided that it is only for this case and cannot be applied to other cases. Hmm. Now, what headlines said was a narrow ruling, and they kind of fudged the, the wording on that. And a lot of people took that as, oh, well, only less than... It was a slim majority. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, right. narrow ruling. You would think it's four to three. Exactly. But instead... But it, it, but was, it was seven zero. Exact. Well, it... Whatever it be, was. Yeah. Because there's... Yeah, it, would, it, it was a majority ruling by a decent amount. <laughs> yeah, Not gotcha. unanimous. It was like one or two off. But right. like the way that you interpret that is, oh, well, it was a... It squeaked by. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so let me so go keep going. Well, it's, it's, and it's again, it's on this tangent, so we can, we can wrap it up. But uh, like I listen to a lot of NPR mm-hmm. and, uh, and it, on, in a general sense with no... Well, there's a lot. That's, that says a lot all by itself. Well, and here's the thing. In today's political... Isn't that funny? Yeah. And, I, and I would say they do a pretty darn good job, more often than not, mm-hmm. being unbiased. And yeah. then I come home, you know, I'm off at college learning all these liberal ways. <laughs> and I come home and I tell my dad I'm listening to NPR and he goes, oh, man, bunch of liberal and, you know, radio <laughs> yeah. people. Now, I listen to NPR as well, mm-hmm. um, but they are liberal. Their, their compass is a liberal compass. Whereas yeah. if you, it's, it's CNN and Fox, you know, well, it's that right. kind of thing. And if I were to try and make a unbiased news source as I try to do in my day sure. job, I'm a conservative, you know? So, right. So you have yeah, to do Yeah, it's going to bleed through. Right. And, and, and I think they do a, a, a better job than. So than for the else. record, I think BBC is the most unbiased. Mm. If you're going to, if you're going to get American news from an unbiased source, you got to go to Britain to do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that makes sense. Actually. Uh, anyway, so, um, I want to pause right here and talk about episode 37 just for a second because we did this Trump episode. We both felt like after the recording, this is going to be good. We won't offend anybody. And then as we both listened to it when it went public, we realized we're going to offend a whole lot of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we just want to say to you, if episode 37 was offensive to you, we value the ability to think freely and voice our perspective we think it's great if we could learn to disagree without being disagreeable or meaning the relationship has to end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we hope that if you struggled with episode 37, you can uh, give us some grace and keep going. All yeah. right. So now that was fascinating conversation because both of you were talking about your passions. You're talking about what you care about. You're talking about what you want to give your life to. Mm-hmm. You have optimism that there's going to be pathways for that into the future. Um, 
when I ask you this, what what age, John, will you be when you retire? Oh man, seventy. Alex, uh, I was thinking like sixty to sixty-five. Okay, and so you have a little more optimism that that retirement capacity is going to be there for you. Yeah, and you seem to not have that optimism, huh, John? No, I'm. I, I do not. <laughs> and why not? Uh, because I just frankly don't know systems even that are in place to maintain this kind of optimism are are now very suspect like social the social security system right is just a bank for the, for any kind of you know government operation and it doesn't have any kind of uh, protection protection or it yeah. does you know and the math of it just doesn't pencil out exactly. for the long run exactly. because of the baby boomers yeah and we have this disparity in the generations so yeah millennials haven't been having kids uh, our generation is significantly smaller than yours. Right. And so the people that you need to be putting into Social Security to pay your retirement aren't going to be there. Right. Well, and essentially what you're really depending on with Social Security is the young people when you're old, not necessarily right. That's anyone what I mean. now. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And so the chances of them being there are not good. And right. your Social Security taxes are going to go higher because there's going to be a whole lot of us needing Social Security right. mm-hmm. and not enough of you to fund it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it is a it is a very fragile and vulnerable system. Mm-hmm. And I have I have confidence on a macro scale obviously that if I, you know, when I, if I'm faithful with my finances then then God rewards that right. in the in the long term and in in the responsibilities of myself, you know, with being frugal and and you know kind of Dave Ramsey stuff, preparing yeah. for your own retirement without the need of the government. Mm-hmm. If the, if it yeah, and be that's why you say life. seventy because you feel like it might take that long for take you to a, really fund it yourself. Exactly. So that was something I was going to touch on. Is maybe I'm just a crazy venture capitalist or something here, but um, my ideology is less so dependent on Social Security, regardless of what the future of it is, and more um, independent financial decisions that mm-hmm. kind of prepare yourself for the future and like thinking like. I can't depend on the government or anybody besides right. myself or my or my family, which even so that could fall through. But like sure. you have to be in charge of your own uh, future in a so way. So rich dad, sure. poor dad, I'm going to make my money, make money. Right. Okay. So um, you have optimism about that. You believe you can do that, but it might take a little longer, but yeah. you're, but you're rolling up your sleeves thinking I've got to look out for my own retirement because the government ain't going to do it. That's and that. Yeah. That's my general philosophy. I think I also, if, if there's the, you know, uh, type A and Type B. I'm maybe a little more on the the RC yeah, yeah, the C side, <laughs> <laughs> the the A and a half, yeah, yeah, uh, or B and a half, whichever you want. Yeah, to look whatever at. that so, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and and by saying that, you mean that's why you think it might take longer because you're not driven. Yeah, I, and and even if not driven, my priorities are are different. Where I, you know, money's very nice, and I and I uh, have plans to make more. But it's not always the first thing on my mind, for right. better or worse. So let's talk about priorities, because that's another part of the interesting part of workforce. So in my generation and before me, if you asked a man, tell me about yourself, he's going to tell you what he does for a living. Mm-hmm. Our identity was wrapped into our work. Mm. And so uh, it's like you're, you're going to spend, in, at least in my thinking, and now with this uh, mobile uh, would you call them digital nomads? Yes. Yeah, yeah. With that reality, you realize, hey, I can work and be anywhere. So it does add a little more freedom to that. But mm-hmm. uh, our thinking was you're going to spend the majority of your life working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More time there than you are with your wife and kids because it's eight hours every day or whatever. So um, when you think of your priorities, what do you want out of your work life? Alex, you go first on this one. What do you want from your vocation? 
So that's kind of a broad question. Do you have like a less specific way or just Well, like I want I want to I want to I want to be a Supreme Court judge. So I want to mm. I want to start climbing this ladder and I'm going to do whatever it takes. That's my priority or um, no, I don't I don't live to work. I work so that I can live and I'm going to work only enough to live the life I want. Yeah, I want to and, go to these countries. I want to have this many kids. Right, know. right. So are you focused is your priority more your uh, vocational ambitions or is your priority more I'm going to work so that I can live? So I would say probably more towards vocational ambitions. Um in my family it's it's always been kind of a everybody works right right yeah. i mean for since we were kids right yeah. and even if you're not like working a, a proper job you're putting work into something yeah. that will pay off later mm. yeah and that's kind of how i viewed education and, and all sorts mm-hmm. of things of why um i have kind of such like a drive i would say for um just development in general mm-hmm. because i think that everything is a means to an end right so working hard is a means to a more comfortable life so I would choose an early retirement over a more comfortable life Successful now. career. Yeah. Would you choose an early retirement over one more rung on that ladder? Say you got to be a federal judge in a state, but you didn't get to be a Supreme Court judge because you retired sooner. Would that, would that be a trade you would take? So it's hard for me to give an answer for that because at that point I'm assuming that I would have like a family or, sure, you know, and I think that a lot of family stuff kind of changes your answer on that. If I ended up being, uh, what you would say, double income, no kids for yep. like the rest of my life. <laughs> right. Um, Oh, party on Bart. I'm yeah. Work yeah. forever. It, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So John, yeah. when you think about that, what's your answer to that question? Um, yeah. Uh, the traditional sense, like you talked about, the uh, um, the maybe now archaic one, where uh, I'm going to spend, you know, thank you. <laughs> I said maybe you continue archaic. to subtly and gently poke me. Well, well, what but I I, me, I receive it. I've, I'll it's maybe okay. I'll go and I'll I'll pull up a thesaurus and I'll look up archaic and find a nicer <laughs> word and I'll just edit it in there. No, there well, go. no, no, yeah. it's okay because I'm I'm starting to embrace archaic as part of my challenge because mm. I need to start thinking younger. Uh, and or learning new skills and thinking more innovatively and creatively rather than leaning on what has served me so well for these years. It's a different world now. So this is one of the good things I love about this interview is I'm learning from you how you see the world, and it helps me employ people like you more effectively. Sure. And it helps me continue to grow my own leadership capacity. So. Okay. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, you're good. (laughs) I'm going to change it to historical. Okay. There we go. Historic idea. Um, and I think a lot of times the, the narrative is that the, the baby boomers didn't care what their work was as long as they, you know, got these things and they, they, that's true. I want to be a millionaire, right? How I get there. I don't care. I just want to be a millionaire. And I wonder how true that is because you clearly cared what you did for a living. It wasn't just about the, the wanting to be a millionaire, wanting to this time off, wanting these benefits as important as they were. So, um, but I think that is amplified. So, so it's really, really important to me. Uh, and this is probably maybe a little short-sighted, but that the work itself is uh, is is on a base level enjoyable, on almost yeah. like an animalistic level that I that I enjoy my time when I'm there yeah. because you will be there for a long time, and so whether or not that should outweigh fiscal priority, that seems to be where it is for me. So, so, so. you would rather love your job and make less than just like your job and make more, right? And there's a breaking point for that. You know, if I if I'm 35 and I love my job, but I'm making minimum wage. 
I probably got to. It's time to move know, on. Yeah, yeah. I got to. I got to assess my priorities again. Right. Um, unless you have a. Unless you. Unless your wife is producing mega dollars. Right. <laughs> Not then, a bad way to go. I then mean, you, you can know, just yeah. be a golf caddy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> my dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so probably, uh, and and part of that is impact, which I know has been a big thing. And again, the narrative of the millennial workforce and the younger workforce is they want to. I want to change the world. Yeah, they want to make yeah. a difference. Yeah. yeah, and that's important to me too. But it's probably even that is secondary to um, doing something that I that I enjoy doing. See, I think I'm the opposite because I would rather do something that makes a big difference than something mm-hmm. that I enjoy. Um, so if you had a career path that that wasn't particularly uh, enjoyable to you, but it was going to make a it was going to make a big splash in the world. Mm-hmm. You would choose it. I think knowing the redemptive value of my work would make it enjoyable. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that it goes to, there's a limit on that. Obviously. Sure. Sure. Um, but something for me in my archaic 21 years of experience <laughs> right. um, is I have done a lot of different kinds of work yeah. that I have a lot of things I haven't enjoyed, but I've noticed or have found a lot of things that I can do or would be good at. Um, and I haven't necessarily because you didn't just follow the pleasure path. You tra- you did these other jobs. Yeah, and it, it's it's kind of out of necessity that I ended up doing mm-hmm. a lot of these. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've discovered kind of like I have a I wouldn't say like universal skill set, but I could be good at a lot of different things, mm-hmm. and I don't mind doing a lot of different things. But I've never really felt like any of the specific things that I've done have been like this is it. This is my calling. Right. You know. Sure. Well, and that's another part of your generation is I'm going to find this is it. This is my calling probably seven different times in your lifetime. Mm. That's the projection is uh, so comparing you guys to me like my thing is I have I have felt like since I was a young man, it is a crime to have a job you hate. Mm-hmm. America is too great of a land of opportunity for you to go every day to a job you hate. You shouldn't have to do that. Now, I've recognized that somebody's got to be plumbers and somebody's got to dig ditches and somebody's mm-hmm. got to roof houses. And so, but maybe people love that work because of what it affords them on the side. Maybe they say, well, I like that because, and they have a reason. Sure. So my path, my thinking has been, I want to do a job I absolutely love. And then the competitor and the ambitious part of me said, not only do I want to do it, I want to kick butt and take names. I want to be the best at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's an interesting, maybe a, 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 a second way to do that, where you get a job that either you're... Um, complacent with or you don't mind and then you fulfill yourself on the side with the other priorities yeah your side hustle becomes really what you're living for and you're doing this job to fund it exactly Mm -hmm. and and uh i think in both of our cases that uh day job would have to reach a certain point of either meaning or uh bearability yeah right and so i think of the movie uh patterson which is about a bus driver who writes poetry and he's, you know, he's a bus driver. All he does is drive around and he enjoys it because he just thinks all day. And on his breaks, mm. he writes poems and he goes home to his wife and, and they have a great life. And that's basically the whole point of the movie. There's no plot. Mm-hmm. You just follow him for about two and a half hours as he drives buses and writes poems. And writes poems. And, uh, and you enjoyed that movie? I, it's, it was relaxing at the least. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's that kind of, and I, when I was in college actually, and I was, uh, I'm probably not a very similar student to the way you were, Hans, but <laughs> And I was getting kind of overwhelmed. I was like, why didn't I just go to trade school and uh, become like a woodworker and do anything I want I can on tell the you side? the answer to that. Because well, I'd be bad at it? Yeah, you would hate it. I wouldn't hate it. You would hate it. I loved shop class. 
in high school. Yeah, and I saw the I saw the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the things you built in the shop. <laughs> I am uh, very proud of the things I built. I in the know shop you place. are. I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> the no, being, you did fine. You did fine for a ninth grader, you know, in shop yeah, class, whatever. Yeah, you patched that one up. Yeah, but the point the point is, I don't know that you want to do that. You don't no, like to get no. dirty. You don't You don't mind getting dirty. I mean, you worked hard when we had the property with five acres. You would get out there and you'd mm-hmm. weed whack and, and cut trees anyway. So I'm just... Uh, I, I your mother says it. I need to be nicer to you on this yeah, show. I'm so. sure she does. <laughs> uh, but more, but that that is a, a route that maybe has gone away when people say I want to have meaning in my day job. Yeah, that lifestyle is not. Um, I uh, is not a. I don't know what the term would be. I have a lot of respect for that lifestyle. Right. You know, the the one who is an electrician and yeah. making a lot more money than I'll make right. by the time I'm their age. Yeah. And and fulfilling themselves, you know, and even for the kingdom, you know, doing work in for the church. Uh, ministering on on the job you know oh yeah there's yeah when i was pastoring in montana there were a lot of pastors of these small churches in these rural communities they're brilliant guys they're 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 educated they're smart they're passionate and they're never going to make fifty thousand dollars in a year in mm-hmm. their whole life mm-hmm. uh pastoring those churches but they love those people they love that yeah. lifestyle they love to hunt and fish yeah and they're they're just happy yeah um, so there is a there's a trade off that you that you end up choosing. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Next question, Alex. How many different jobs will you have between now and retirement? That is such a difficult Spit question. Spitball a number. <laughs> Just say I think it's going to be. What's the over under? I would put between five and ten. Really, John? Oh man. I don't know. Um, I've kind of lately realized, you know, when you're in college, you probably relate that everything is very simple. Mm-hmm. And you're like, after, once I'm out of here, you know, it's going to be like I'm going to roll off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God will pave the way exactly. with gold. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> roll out the, the, the red carpet. Yeah. Uh, and so now I think I've come to realize that with this skill set, I m- am likely to find myself in a digital nomad situation, hmm. a non-traditional career path. Mm-hmm. And it makes those numbers a little more fluid. I mean, it makes that do these jobs even have yeah, clear like you borders. Might, you might consult for seven companies at once. And is yeah, that one know, job or is that seven jobs? Exactly. Or yeah. I could be editing on these different things. Right. Uh, and I think that's one of the big shifts, the macro shifts in the generations. But uh, uh, you said five to seven? Five to ten. Five to ten. I was gonna say seven. Seven's but. a good number. I, <laughs> I think it would probably be less than than yours, but I'm not. It's hard, it's really hard to say. Yeah. I, I feel like I, there's this kind of fog. You know? Yeah. So take away the uh, fast food restaurant jobs you had, or the barista right. jobs, whatever, and you say career jobs, right? So I've passed. I have been a youth pastor, an air traffic controller, a moving sales consultant, a sports writer, uh, a church planter, a lead pastor. So that's six. Bus driver, did you ever say that? Oh, I did a bus driver, too. That was during church planting. I, that's maybe one of the funnest jobs I've ever had. Did you write poetry? Yeah, I, I never wrote say. poetry, yeah. But I was I did. say you're making fun of Patterson. Yeah, you yeah. Bus <laughs> he got it. It's yeah. a great life. I really do get the Patterson d- deal. I just don't know that I'd want to sit there and watch well, it for and two he, hours. He drove city buses, not school buses. But well, I'd rather drive a school bus. Really? Hmm. Oh, my goodness. So much fun. No, I don't know. Hey, nobody homeless is going to go on a school bus. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> not without a whole lot of fight. Yeah, first. yeah. <laughs> Okay, so uh, I would think that you guys are going to end up more in the 20 range. Really? 20. Yeah, that would be my prediction because the world is changing so fast, mm-hmm. because your work satisfaction means so much to you 
that you might find boredom in one thing for too long. Uh, although you have a high capacity for boredom, John. You, uh, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> it means I don't know what it means. I'm, I'm hard to bore. I mean, he is. All yeah. right. And I, I trained my kids whenever they would say, Daddy, I'm bored. I would say, say it correctly. And they would have to say, Daddy, I'm boring. Yeah. Because yeah. our thing is only an unintelligent person is bored. <laughs> yeah. Uh, smart people are never bored. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, uh, tell me, Alex, what you, um, when, when you say, uh, I want, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have this wife and kids. Maybe mm-hmm. I have this life. Cause you said something about, I'm going to, I'm going to build a life. I love mm. What is a life you love? What what's what are the what are the ingredients of that? That is a great question. Um, I think the ingredients of a life I love would probably be a job where I feel like I'm making a difference. Of, like kind of like we said before, um, a family that I like. So kids that I can connect with on like a, a real level and that hmm. are they feel like kids and my best friends. Hmm. Um, a wife, obviously that loves me and the kids and is smoking hot well i mean that just goes without <laughs> saying right um but those who brings the meat <laughs> um, no i think honestly just just having kids that are raised that i am like legitimately proud of and i feel like sure. make um God honoring decisions with their lives and love god more than anything mm-hmm. um and a job that doesn't take too much of my time Mm -hmm. um and by too much i would say like working 12 plus hour days so if you had a five day a week 10 hour a day job you could live with that absolutely 50 hours absolutely what about you john what what is what are the ingredients of a life you love um i really want to uh create a lot Mm -hmm. Uh, that's i think that's one of the bigger uh, motivators especially on on my or motivations on my um a productive side. So on a personal uh, level, um, probably the same things. Um, but really it's a, uh, uh, probably the, the key factor to my, uh, easier times of happiness. We talk about, mm-hmm. you know, joy and, mm-hmm. and constant happiness. It is easiest when I'm just, uh, mostly at peace. So maintaining a level of peace, uh, in my life, which includes, you know, uh, being on good terms with my wife and my God and my kids, whenever, you know, whatever the American dream. Exactly. Exactly. But that's uh, a big factor is the peace level of that, that yeah. contentment, that, yeah. that sense of wholeness there. Yeah. And that, and I think a lot of that comes from, am I doing what I think I was, um, gifted to do? And mm. that, and, and I, in, in a lot of ways that is creating in, in different fields. So you're laying on your deathbed mm-hmm. and what do you want to be true on that day? In my life, I, what? Um, as you look back, you know, you're maybe days away from going into eternity with God and you're reflecting in that sense, it would be, um, not in a, not always in a, um, like I'm not using a stopwatch, but it would be the amount of time I spent with people I love. Uh, it's almost a, I was talking to Lindsay about this. It's almost a, um, a bond in the literal sense where when I'm thinking of, oh, it'd be kind of fun to live there. I think of uh, Juneau, Alaska, where we, yeah. one of the cities we went to on our, on our honeymoon for a cruise, and it was just amazing. I daydream about it sometimes. And I think, well, I couldn't because my physical bond's here because of you and mom and, hmm. and uh, my siblings. And, 
And because, and it's not that it's uh, that you guys impose that. It's because my priorities structure are structured that way. Where yeah. I, that is so is too valuable to me. It outweighs the living. It in outweighs the, cool the win of living somewhere exactly. exciting or exactly. Something. So, so for you, it's being surrounded by the people you love and who love you, mm-hmm. while you also get to create a lot. Yeah, that's the you know that's the the. Um, when I'm in college and thinking about my of how perfect my life is going to be, that's yeah. what it looks like. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you? You're laying on your deathbed. What are the things you want to be true at that moment? Um, that I made a tangible change in the world for good, and that my kids do greater things than I did. Hmm. That's good. That is good. All right. How about we do our uh, our quick commercial, commercial break, break, and okay. then we come back and 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 you. Uh, you uh, gift your wisdom upon us (laughs) (laughs) for whatever that's worth. (laughs) Right. All right. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash Jim and John. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right. So uh, what I want to do, guys, is I want to summarize what you said to me, and then you can add to, embellish, correct, any of that. And then based on all of that, I will give you some archaic Words of wisdom. <laughs> Historic. Gotcha. Historic, Historic words, of words of wisdom. Okay. All right. So uh, what I heard you say is, um, Alex, we'll do you first, okay. is that you want a life where you really make a difference. Probably the biggest drive in your heart is I want to change the world. I want to leave a mark mm-hmm. uh, on the world. I want to do so in a way <clears throat> that lets me also have a great marriage and healthy kids, and I'm and I've got this great family. And I also want to be financially independent at the end. I want to be able to create wealth enough that creates wealth so that I have a sustainable future yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I wanted to add, uh, just kind of on top of that, of one thing that I, I don't want in my future life, whatever, with my own family, is um, having just so much stuff going on in the background, side mm-hmm. stuff, kind of any any... like. I think that there's a difference between like having a main job and then having like a, a hobby or a passion and right, then having sure. like a main job and then having like four sub jobs right, that are right. all kind of passions. And it's all frenetic. It's all just so busy. Right, right. Yeah. That's that's kind of been something that like with my upbringing is there's always so much stuff going on that mm-hmm. like I've had one job which has been working for my family business yeah. and within that has been about 30 jobs <laughs> that are all, sure. all different things based on sure. what is needed. Sure. Um, so that kind of in growing up with that has been and kind of living that as I uh, grow as an adult Mm -hmm. has been one of those like you know I I could not to be like well when I'm in charge I won't because that's not what it is but you learn things that you enjoy and you learn things that you would rather not do right and I think that I'm not the kind of person that would like to have a cluttered life I guess yeah so one point of clarity I'd like from you 
you when you say change the world you use that a lot Mm -hmm. is that a political change is that is that a social correction is that uh dragging people out of poverty what kind of world change is that so i don't have like a specific one thing that i want to do with my life pinned down but it is in line with those things i think that making a shift um that i mean obviously as a christian and then Mm -hmm. kind of looking towards law and politics um, I would want to see a cultural shift mm-hmm. um, that kind of rest- I wouldn't I think restores is kind of the wrong word for sure. it, but brings about a revival a better world. Yeah. Yeah. Or a kind of a spiritual revival. Mm-hmm. A lot of people talked about like the next great awakening, things like that. Sure. I don't think that necessarily because obviously if I if I did, I have more plans on being a, a preacher. Um, but I think something in line with that that um, really affects people's lives. Right in a way that makes, I, I think, solves problems so that a certain problem doesn't yeah. exist anymore. I love it. Nice. Okay, John, and what I would summarize from you is that you want to create. You really want to uh, have some things that you created that outlive you, mm-hmm. that people can read. I'm, predominantly, it'll be journalism, oh, yeah. I would suppose. And so things or, or, that... Or, um, yeah, novels. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so things that would outlast you that are creative, that speak also to the heart of human beings and the human experience. Mm-hmm. So you want to create and you want to have uh, be surrounded by the people you love, not just your immediate family, your wife and kids, but also your extended family and having this connection. Yeah, which has proved impossible with my with my uh, prior immediate family. I don't know how that works. You're, you're yeah. still my immediate family. Yes, we are. Lindsay and yeah. Anyway, my siblings yes. are scattered to the, I think, to the four I winds. think uh, legally speaking, so um, from an HR standpoint, oh boy. You, uh, your immediate family is your parents, your siblings, and your family. So you could get gotcha. time off from work for any of their funerals. Oh, But gotcha. if it's your brother's wife, I you know, I gotta go she's to work. not immediate family. Right. Interesting. That's what I think. Anyway, whatever that's worth. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, an income level. I think you. I think Alex, you have uh, you have a, a standard of living that's pretty high that you want to achieve. I'd say so and maintain. I don't get a sense from you, John, on any kind of financial aspirations. Uh, a uh, independence at the age of you know seventy, <laughs> having a sustainable future where you don't have to worry right. about money in right. that span, where it's not a it's not uh, dragging down the the piece that I'm trying to you know yeah. have in the first place. So one last question. Sure. Peak earning years. How much money a year are you making? I don't know. The well, probably the the one in of the today's bigger, dollars. One of the bigger lessons I've learned is that it's never as much as you think it is. <laughs> uh, and really, the only the only home aspirations I have is to be uh, more secluded than I currently am, which wouldn't be hard. Oh, you want to live on space? Yeah, have a little bit of land. About yeah. as I mean, obviously, because I loved that house so much. The house you were in before this. Yeah, that level of seclusion. Yeah, was was perfect. There's only two houses on the hill. You got five yeah. acres, lots of trees. But you had you, you know, walk around in your underwear if you want to. Right. Well, you could do that on your property anywhere if you're okay with you know. It's a new world, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to get with the times. Yeah, but uh, that house took a certain level of income right to achieve that and uh and yeah so a a figure as an as a householder me personally you personally give me a number peak earning years how much money a year are you making in today's dollars peak earning years yeah so probably around my age i don't want to give a figure because i'm gonna sound dumb it's gonna be like either no because it'll tell us it'll tell us where your where your sense is for you know i'll sound dumb with you yeah okay good uh i would probably say 
optimistically mm-hmm. uh, two hundred grand. Like that's that's okay. the most I can see myself making. Okay, so two hundred thousand a year the, yeah. at peak earning years yeah. in today's dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay, what about you? Yeah, I'm pretty much on board with that. Yeah, I'd I'd say peak idealistic over two hundred thousand. Yeah, I think more realistic probably over a hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, that's that would. The, that was I didn't want to say like a hundred be like that's your that's your dream. Yeah. I'm not asking <laughs> your dream. I'm asking your kind of anticipation. Sure, anticipation. Sure. I'd say over one hundred. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's wrap this up. Um, first of all, thank you. You guys have done a lot of transparent exposure, and it's helped me understand at least how you're thinking about the future in the workplace. I'm I'm pleased with how much optimism I hear from both of you. You're a little bit more, um, I would call it realist. You are uh, a prolific worrier. Uh, you're really overcoming that but you have this real sense of hey it's not going to be totally easy and i'm Mm. and social security might not be there for me but it's going to be a great life and i'm going to have lots of opportunity so i love that i love your optimism and i love your innovation that you're comfortable both of you seem to have the anticipation that you're going to self-make your careers that you're not going to hook your wagon to somebody else Mm. and then that's going to be your gravy train Sure. <laughs> That's an interesting thing because the thinking in my generation before is I'm going to get a good job with a good organization and that's going to take me places. Gotcha. Both of you seem to have a sense of no, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to create my world. Mm. I'm going to probably own my business or I'm going to run for office or do these things. I'm going to govern the pace of my life rather than uh, serve somebody else's mission. Yeah, I think both of us probably are looking towards what need we see can be filled mm-hmm, and sure. how we can fulfill that. Yeah. yeah. Does that resonate with yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And even if, uh, um, for me, it might be less of a, a list of needs than a general sense, than, than a role that I would like to fill, right. which is the kind of, um, uh, you know, the 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 book that in, in, inspires or empowers somebody to, yeah. to keep doing well with their life. That yeah. kind of role. Yeah. 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 That kind of need. Okay. So here's my observations. Number one, um, organizations, companies are, they need to really hear stuff like this because they're in trouble. Hmm. Um, the workforce that's going to work for 40 years for Microsoft, those people are going away. They're going to probably have consulting type jobs with Microsoft, but they're going to be the master of their own domain. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a significant part of the workforce. I hear that in both of you. I think that's probably real. Um, I think that um, I wonder about this principle. I have asked many people who have achieved a high level of greatness, made uh, the kind of money you're talking about, 200 Mm -hmm. plus. Um, I asked them, can you have it all? No. And the answer is no. No, every time, even at that level, not even millions. Yes. And uh, yeah, you can't have it all. And so there's something you're going to have to wrestle with. Those priorities are going to get clearer as you oh, go, yeah. as you make some decisions about uh, I like A and I like B, but I need to like one of them more because they are going to mutually exclude. Right. Mm. So um, I think that's something you got looking for you. The third thing I would think this is my encouragement to you is uh, embrace risk because both of your dreams are going to require times when you step out and the uh, the land your foot's going to sit on is not stable hmm. because no one else is providing it. You're providing yeah, it. Yeah, sure. So there's going to be a lot of risks. And I think that risk is a great thing. Yeah. Hmm. I think hard is good. 
So I would encourage you to make calculated risks, but don't be afraid of risks, which means you might have highs and lows, financially speaking, Mm -hmm. uh, at least in the early formative times Mm -hmm. until you find that groove and you hit that stride and blah, blah, blah. But don't be afraid of risk in the short term, um, because I don't think you can get where either of you want to go without risk. Yeah, sure. You're making Lindsay sweat bullets right now. She's I know. It's a, yeah. Uh, the last thing I would say is be really good with money. And both yeah. of you already have that desire and that that um, focus. Hmm. Uh, I'm really proud. I don't know enough about, Alex, how you're managing money. But, John, I'm really proud of the way you and Lindsay prioritize uh, wealth acquisition, spending, eating out, cars, you know, comforts versus cash, mm. um, the the aversion for debt. It's just all great. I think Thank I sense you. a lot of that in you as well. Just really managing money well so that money works for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's brilliant. And I can't even encourage that enough. Mm. Yeah. I've been blessed to be part of a family that takes the things that you were saying seriously. I mean, uh, what you're saying about risk. I yeah. mean, a big part of success kind of it plays into I mean, risk plays a huge part in success and there isn't way. success without it that's right yeah and it's interesting just hearing you talk it made me think about you know the problem with being a trailblazer is that nobody's walked that path before right and i think that being a trailblazer is kind of like i don't want to say an exaggeration of it but i think something that a lot of people face that have big aspirations is like you have nobody around you to look to to say oh well when i did that it was like this sure um which I think is what makes it so empowering to be in that position as a believer because you do still have a guiding force in that. And Absolutely. I, and it'll be interesting to see, too, how the medical world goes on in your future because right now you have guys like you who want to innovate, self-govern, uh, and do chase their dreams, mm-hmm. but benefits become an obstacle mm. yeah. because medical insurance is so expensive. Yeah. And in our country, medical insurance is predominantly attached to your work. Mm-hmm. So your employer provides it for you, and in your cases, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna hit bridges where you are the employer. Yeah, and so having a spouse like you do, John, that has a state job, those benefits can come through her. Maybe yeah. you end up having a scenario like that where one of you is producing benefits and the other one's blazing a trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those will always be that'll be interesting to see how that plays out as our government continues to evolve on how to provide health care for everyone where that's going to go sure yeah yeah well this has been a blast i uh, yeah. hope it's been encouraging to you and uh thanks for listening alex thanks for being our guest today yeah thank you for yeah. having me i wanted to say i'm honored to be in the presence of uh jonathan and jim <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah. you have a podcast of your own if you want to yeah go ahead yeah. and push that yeah. yeah uh my friends and i started a podcast um it's called the chat podcast uh, you can find us on instagram at i believe it's chat the podcast Nice. Um, branding is hard yeah. chat the <laughs> podcast yeah chat the and podcast. what is the objective of that podcast um so our subtitle is real conversations about everyday christianity uh, we try to kind of expound on um, certain principles of christianity that we feel like believers could use some help in okay um, and also um just generally give some advice of of walking along a, a, your path as a believer um developing and growing in the lord awesome John, thanks. I've enjoyed it as always. Yeah. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Oh, wait. We should say, Mm. talk to us. Oh, yes, please. If our Trump episode infuriated you, (laughs) please email us, info at jimandjohn.com. No H in the John. I am typing an email (laughs) right now. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye.